coming up on Economics Explored. And I do believe that businesses that are purpose-driven, people are attracted to that. And that attraction makes people happier and more productive. Welcome to the Economics Explored podcast, a frank and fearless exploration of important economic issues. I'm your host, Gene Tunney, broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia. This is episode 172 on environmental and business sustainability. My guest is John Engelander, founder of the Planet Earth Cleaning Company and also the founder and CEO of EcoBin. In this episode, John and I discuss his proposition that environmental and business sustainability go hand in hand. After my chat with John, I provide some reflections on the conversation, so please stick around for those. Also, please check out the show notes for relevant links and information and for details where you can get in touch with any questions or comments. Let me know what you think about what either John or I have to say in this episode and whether you have any thoughts on environmental and business sustainability. To what extent are they aligned or in conflict? I'd love to hear from you. Before we get into it, I'd better let you know that I'm going to take a short break from the podcast over January and come back in early February. Righto, now for my conversation with John Engelander of EcoBin. Thanks to Obsidian Productions for their assistance in producing this episode. I hope you enjoy it. John Engelander, welcome to the program. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be here today, Gene. So thanks for having me. It's, uh, yeah, it's fantastic to uh, to chat with you, John. Uh, so, yeah, very keen to chat about issues around business and environmental sustainability. So you've had a very successful career as a, a business owner with the Planet Earth uh, Cleaning Company and also with you've been involved in EcoBin. So I'm keen to understand uh, those, uh, those businesses, uh, what you've done there. To start off with, I'd like to ask you about this, uh, this philosophy of yours, I think it is, that environmental and business sustainability go hand in hand. I mean, what do you mean by that? What does that mean to you, John? Okay, it's, it's a good one because often I, I, I feel incredibly fortunate that I've been able to combine sustainability and commerciality almost as a, as a cocktail. And, and there's some perfection in that because you give a lot of thought, I give a lot of thought to, and con- consciousness to uh, how we think about the products that we consume or what we offer our clients because I feel that the impact matters. And I think the price we pay for something, let's call it whatever it might be, dollars, whatever, and then the price we have on our planet it requires some kind of balance because, frankly, we, we don't have an economy without getting it right with the ecology, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you there. I mean, we certainly need the uh, the environment to sustain us. So, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely agree there. And would you be able to tell us about the Planet Earth cleaning company how you got involved in that how, how did you how did you figure out that this was a way that you could have a a business that uh, that met these you know that that was both financially sustainable and also environmentally friendly i think the uh, like most things that can work out well is there'll be a problem and if you can solve a genuine problem then there's likelihood there's an opportunity. I don't think you can make up often an idea. I, I've done it many times. I think, oh, this is a good idea, should do it. But in fact, there's no problem to really fix or it's not going to give people a great deal of joy. Um, 
I don't think there's a problem when people buy a mountain bike. They buy that for joy. That's not a problem. So it's it's two ways. You either look at it as joy or you're solving a problem uh, from my perspective. Um, so uh, how did it come about? I think purely it was by accident. I wasn't planning on going into the cleaning industry at all. In fact, I still don't plan on getting into the cleaning industry. I, I plan on trying to resolve something that made sense, and that was that uh, for those who have heard my story before, it, it was that one of the cleaners was sick. Like they didn't show up, and I ended up rolling up my sleeves and ended up in a toilet cubicle of all things, mm. cleaning a toilet bowl, which never imagined that would happen. And as I opened up the, the cleaning chemicals, the fumes were intoxicating. I, I honestly, I thought I was going to suffocate. And then, if I thought that was bad. My hands were starting to crack, split from the the stingingness. I, I felt stinging. You know, it was like burning, and that was it. I went it, it, honestly. There's got to be a better way. How can you subject this to people who are cleaning every day? Uh, when that happened, and I guess that was one would call an epiphany moment. You know, if there has, if I can look after uh, a way of fixing it for people, cleaners, then there's a there's possibly a business opportunity. Hang on a minute. If it's good for them, it's good for the planet. And, and that was essentially the birth of the Planet Earth Cleaning Company. Totally. Now, that didn't mean that three decades ago, um, people talked about sustainability. They didn't even talk about green. Uh, um, green's a fairly new word. Back then, it was just a colour. So I guess uh, feeling and believing and having purpose in my day-to-day life all the time drove me. And I could actually lead my people so that they understood that I was actually looking for a way to make their lives healthier. And that was a huge thing until people started to wake up, probably more recently. Uh, and I say recently, when Al, when Al Gore uh, brought out the documentary Inconvenient Truth, there was a bit of a aha moment. And then that slowed down. And there, But now it just seems there's a, a real inertia in terms of the word impact. And it seems like the, the whole idea of impact has become a big topic around what I do and probably attract investors, you know, get the calls. You know, I've been doing it for so long that I must know. Well, I do. So that's it's sort of come together. So, yeah, it was by accident to see a problem. The problem made sense to fix. And then I figured this is a good business to get into. Yeah, for sure. John, would you be able to tell us a bit about, uh, I mean, how, what, what your scope of operations, I mean, where you operate, the types of clients or customers that you have? Sure. So our clients are boutique, large or not so large. Um, when I say not so large, they, they can fall under the, the type of clients that, that would work with us. So we, we have clients like Kathmandu. We have uh, clients like realestate.com. Um, Seek.com, uh, built a whole lot of building companies, McConnell Dow, which is one of the largest structural engineering firms in the world, and so forth, just to name a few, and uh, Cricket Australia, another one. So just just a little few little companies that probably they, they have good branding, good identity, recognise the need um, to not just take on cleaning but see that by having planet Earth, uh, it, it's a huge um, upside for them in terms of letting their people know. I mean, think about what that does to culture when you know you're a values-based organisation. You know? And we do we do this in Melbourne and Sydney. 
we're looking at Brisbane, but at the moment it, it's, it really is really the two main cities in this country. Okay. Could you tell me a bit about what you do, your, your operations? I'm interested in this because you mentioned the, the, the fumes, you mentioned the chemicals that cleaners traditionally use, and I imagine there are companies out there that are still using these chemicals. They sure uh, do. I mean, what, are we, what precisely, or are there, are there some examples you could talk about and then what, what are substitutes and are they as good? I mean, the thing that I'm wondering is, uh, okay, do you, do you get the same quality of cleaning? Is it higher cost? So uh, is, is this something that is a, bit, is a bit of a luxury or is this something that businesses uh, across the economy can afford? Could you just talk about that, right. please, John? It's a great question. First of all, chemicals. What price do you pay for your people getting sick? When those fumes go through the air conditioning, wafting through, mm. something must happen. Can't measure it, but something must be going on. If it's happening to my cleaners because they're right there and then, then it's going to be happening somehow indirectly to the clients. Better cleaning, okay. Let's look at acid. It's really good, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, you've, you've seen urinals. We all have. Uh, as men go into toilets and there's urinals and... The only way to clean a urinal properly, apparently, is with acid. Really? Hmm. <laughs> and uh, an interesting story was some years ago, one of my prospective clients who became a client loved the whole story about planet Earth, but he thought he would prepare cleaning his urinal without telling us. So he went out and bought acid and did it. And a very sad story. He suffered for years. Now, had he called on us, I would have gone, no way. I'd never give that to my own people. He's a client. I really adored this person. He took us on board for the very right reasons. And yet sometimes consciously it's possible not to think. So is health got a price? What do you pay for that? Do we have enough money for it? Well, I'm sorry. If you can't look after yourself and pay for that, there's an issue. How much more you pay is interesting, right? So think about this. We use chem, we have a system which is chem-free by Planet Earth. We, we actually install it in the building's plumbing system. It converts water through an electrolysis process and turns it into a sanitizer cleaner. The cleaners just turn up with their little spray bottle, push it in, plug it in, it does a shh, good noise, right? And then it <laughs> fills the bottle up and they can use that to clean. And yes, it's effective. And it's not toxic. It was water. Water through an electrolysis process. Now, not everybody wants to invest in that. So could you say it does cost us more? Can do. But are we interested in getting it right for our people? And let's face it, when you throw away chemicals into your waterways after clean toilets or mop floors, do you think that's really good? can't be good for the planet. And so all of that. And the beauty of about chem-free is that we don't have the containers because when you have containers delivered, that's transport emission. Then you have great big plastic containers filled with chemicals. That's transport, not only transported, but the plastic it took to make it one, one use. Maybe not. Maybe you can send it back to the factory and they fill it up. Well, it's got to be sent back again, transport. But imagine all you do is plug your little spray bottle in and it fills that up. Now, sometimes you just got to use a little bit more elbow grease. But if you care enough, you'll do that. Is the price higher? I doubt it. I think, what, if anything, it's really good value 
and it all comes down to the effort you put into the job. So the beauty also of that is, if I may, is that think about this. Is everyone complaining about not being able to get labour at the moment? In this time, it's 2022 and it's really hard to find labour. Why is it that a purpose-driven company like us doesn't have a problem? Right. That has to have a great outcome for our clients because you've got people that actually are doing something because it matters for them beyond a dollar because you'd never pay cleaners enough money to come to their job. But purpose will drive them. And purpose, if the message is properly conveyed to our clients, people, is all becomes, it starts to build culture in terms of value-based. And I do believe that businesses that are purpose-driven, people are attracted to that. And that attraction makes people happier and more productive. Can you put a price to that? You betcha. You spend $100,000 on cleaning, you'll get an outcome of three, four times that in your culture development if you make sure you promote that you've taken on Planet Earth Cleaning Company because it's a big deal to make the right choices. Yeah. I think the point you make about health and safety is a good one. I, I'm not familiar with the data for for cleaning. I'll, I'll have to check it out after this. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the studies show, whether there is a, a significant improvement in in health and safety outcomes with uh, using these environmentally friendly products. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm just, I just don't know what no, the data I are. I've said the same thing. I can't measure yeah. it. All I can say is it's a good chance, but it's good to know if you've taken on a cleaning company, they care enough about their people too. Mm. You know, I mean, we go, we go as far as even caring about their mental health. We have a, a service where they can call up if they've got issues. None of my management are allowed to know about it. So, yeah, we've gone from product to people's minds to actually having them, you know, on board with, with, uh, with this whole idea of we're getting it right because, let's face it, we all have the planet in common. John, can I ask you about in- impact investing? You, I think you were talking about that earlier. You were talking about impact. Everyone, people are interested or investors are interested in impact now. So does that, uh, have you been dealing with that in investment impact or what is it, impact investing community? How substantial do you think that is? Is is that going to help support or, or help grow a lot of bu- uh, businesses such as yours or other businesses in, that are environmentally friendly? I think that, look, I don't know a lot about impact investing. I, I prefer to invest in myself. But um, the, the truth of the matter is that the, uh, I do believe that there's a, there's a whole movement towards looking at being ethical. And ethical and impact seems to have, they, they complement each other, don't they? So uh, let's... Let's look at it this way. My, a couple of years ago, I think my brother-in-law showed me a return on investment with an organisation called Australian Ethical. Did that year, he made close to 50%. I've never heard of that in my life. In fact, I was blown away. I don't know if they continued to do that. Was that just a fluke that year? Either way, it, was, it, it, settled, it spoke volumes, didn't it? Uh, you look at businesses like, well, if you bought Tesla, a few mm. years ago, just 2000 and, I don't know, let's call it 2020, February 2020, and that share price was $480. Uh, 
I know because I actually invested in that. And it got it went up and up and up and up, went to 2400 it got split by five. What was that worth? Then it went up and up and up, got split by three. No, not doing so well at the moment, which is really interesting because they've been they're more profitable than they've ever been. But they've actually led the field. Where they go to in the next 10 years, who knows? Uh, some have faith in it and some don't. But it, it brings a whole lot of other industries together about uh, looking at what's viable, both commercially and sustainably. I have to be frank, I'm not a big fan of the word sustainable, so um, which often shocks people. But I, I think we to consider the idea of being enabled, enable the planet. The planet's in trouble. We say it's overheating. Uh, the, the 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 blanket in the sky of, of greenhouse emissions that just get thicker and thicker, holding the heat under, so our temperatures change on the planet, um, is is a, an interesting an interesting idea. So I think you know when we consider uh, you know the future, we talk also about the health of the planet. Uh, you know, with all these things, so people, planet, all together, pretty pretty combined. I think there's a good investment even to look after our children's future. But this enabling the planet, I think, is an essential part of it all. So, uh, you know, often I call, I call our team planet enablers and they're proud of it. Um, we recently had our tree growing uh, program. We do this, you know, half-day tree growing program. And we're, we're actually looking to do that for our clients next year too. So because the half-day program really um, enables a whole I guess, one's team to really come together and, and be connected, which is another part of it too. We all feel connected. We feel better about ourselves and have something in common. So that whole thing has to be viable, I believe, for an organisation. To give you an idea, when we when we did, did the most recent one, 30% of our staff actually weren't working that morning, but they showed up to be part of it. What does that say? Yeah, yeah that's a good culture. Yeah, not bad. That's really good. And so that has to make, you know, if you have happy culture and they're more productive, which I mentioned earlier, that's got to be a viable proposition for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll take a short break here for a word from our sponsor. If you need to crunch the numbers, then get in touch with Adept Economics. We offer you frank and fearless economic analysis and advice. We can help you with funding submissions, cost-benefit analysis studies, and economic modelling of all sorts. Our head office is in Brisbane, Australia, but we work all over the world. You can get in touch via our website, www.adepteconomics.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to the show. I think I may have asked you this, or I think you may have answered it before, but one thing one thing I'm interested in is whether it does cost you money to do the right thing as a as a business owner so does it make you less profitable than 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 otherwise uh you may have answered that earlier but if you can just reflect on that please john that'd be great good okay so yes it can and and like anything what you choose quality always costs more but let's look at it this way if it's not if you don't see it as quality but you see it as doing the right thing can it cost more possibly i i don't believe if you buy quality, like if we offer a quality service, you pay for it. If we provide green, I don't believe we need to charge you more because we're green. I don't think that's necessary. I, we manage it fine, right? Mm. But when you can talk about 
What would you pay to drive your workforce because you're purpose-driven? What would you, would you bring a, you know the term people and culture that, and, and companies bring people in and spend lots of money, right? Well, you don't have to do that with us. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge tick, as is um, bringing in sustainability consultants. You don't need that. It, we, we can give it all, Ecobin, Planet Earth, uh, go in and give advice on what to do next. Uh, next year's a, will be big plans for helping organisations transition to a green future because I really believe that's the direction we need to take. Otherwise, why would you do business with companies that are destroying the planet? I mean, look at that. It's not investment. It's destroying the planet. Yeah, so this is a quote behind you that uh, who's it by, John? Dr. Vandana Shiva. Right. So it's not an investment if it's destroying the planet. So, look, I don't. I think that that makes sense. Uh, what it's suggesting, as an economist, the way I think about that is that if you do have something that is degrading the environment, then if we were properly account doing, if we were properly doing the economic accounts, then what we would do is we would we would recognise the subtraction of value in the environment. I mean, look, I know that economists, you, you probably object to the way that economists look at this sort of thing. Economists would put a value, they would try to put a value on the environmental capital stock or the natural resources and then to the extent that there's degradation of that, you could subtract from that and we should be recognising that in our national accounts as a uh, as a negative investment, as a disinvestment in that uh, in that natural resource asset. Uh, so there is a there are economists that are looking at how we can measure that environmental damage that's occurring, and it's a field called natural capital economics, if I remember correctly. Or there's an environmental economics field, and there's ecological economics, which takes a a, di- a different perspective. Yep. So it's not as it, I mean, economists are thinking about these issues. Um, so yeah, I think that's that is an interesting quote to reflect on. I'll put a link in the show notes to to well, I'll, I'll reproduce it in the the show notes and link to you know, put some links regarding it because I think it is a it is a, a very good it's quote message, to reflect on. Look, I don't blame econom- economical uh, economists. Um, I often believe that where I sit in this world is to be highly relatable, and you can't do that without understanding others. It's not enough for me to be persuaded and say, hey, you know, uh, staunch greenie and you guys are bad. I think that's not the way to go, and nor is it the other way. Um, extreme, no one listens to extremists. Uh, really, really interesting. I mean, look, I know both sides of the story. I, I, I don't know if you've ever read the book, How the World Really Works. And it believes that we're in such a. Have you heard of it? I'm trying to remember if uh, maybe maybe I haven't read that one. I've read a. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I've read a book about. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of a book about the deals that made the world. I think I got confused momentarily. I, I don't think I have read it. Sorry, John. Can you tell me a bit about? No, it? it's okay. So look, all of us, we don't think about what we buy. We just buy, don't we? And so don't consider if we buy a plastic tub, how much oil has gone into it. Or we don't think about whatever it might be. I mean, I was at, oh, where was it? The Climate March. And I was wearing my Planet Earth T-shirt 
and some young 21-year-old came up to me and said, hey, dude, I love your Planet Earth T-shirt. And I went, hey, dude, I love your one-use water bottle. <laughs> and he's, he went red. And I, I actually looked back at him. I said, look, I'm really, I'm, I'm not looking at you and judging. I just think we do forget. We're not thinking. But when, when you think about the different layers, uh, for example, Ecobin is a good, a good case in point. We brought out a waste system for um, being able to separate your waste using different colours, red for landfill, blue for paper, green for food, yellow for recycling and so forth, for plastic recycling aluminium. And, and I'll go back to the book in a second because it will all come together. And when I chose to do that, I thought, oh, it's really good that we're able to help people sort waste because let's face it, when you change people's waste habits through colours, it's much easier, yeah? Now, it's made in Melbourne. It's Australian. Not only is it Australian, I thought about what's called an LCA, a life cycle analysis. Yeah. We went through the whole thing and understood how much carbon. We were able to find a plastic fabric, plastic, believe it or not, but a certain type of plastic that used 50% less energy in its manufacturing of an equivalent-sized plastic bin. How's that? So the consideration was good. By the way, it costs less to make, so I can charge less for other people to use. So no excuse. It's quite affordable. So talk about is it um, costly to go green? Not in that case. But the separation of it means, imagine, you throw a plastic whatever in there and it turns eventually into plastic garden furniture. I mean, it's, it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, you didn't have to steal the resources out of Mother Earth you actually did it because it was available there and then and didn't have to go back into it didn't have to end up in landfill it ended up converted right good, good point right here's the thing look at this book and it says oh how the world really works and it says we are addicted to plastic we're addicted to oil we're addicted to steel we're addicted to ammonia how are we ever going to change and then i've got another book on the other side of me called the carbon carbon almanac it's not too late so which one do you believe? Which one do you believe, the, the Carbon Almanac or the How the World Really Works? Yeah, because the Almanac says it's not too late and the other one says, oh, we're in, we've got all these habits. Yeah. Plastic, oil, you know, ammonia, concrete, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd like to think it isn't too late. I recognise that there is a need to decarbonise our economies uh, look, I, I think it's, I, I mean, I'm I'm of the view that we need to, I, I'd be probably advocating a more gradual tr- transition than, than many others, uh, including many other of my fellow economists. I think most economists would support a carbon tax or an emissions trading scheme which imposes a carbon price. I think there's a recognition that we need the right signal there to so that businesses and consumers are considering the what you'd call the marginal social cost of of greenhouse gas emissions. So that's included in the in their economic uh, calculations. So I think there's a, there is a recognition that something needs to be done. I, I've, I've, I've just been concerned about the pace of it and I, I think with the issues over energy here in Australia at the moment, cost of energy rising, uh, that's, uh, that's something I've been concerned about. Um, but I would like 
yeah. So I guess I'm saying I'm probably more of the carbon almanac view because I'm just trying to. I think we just need to understand that the well, the way that economists think about this and is that with these resources, I mean, you mentioned these resources that are being depleted or being used. And you could say, yeah, maybe they're being used unsustainably. But the, the standard way that economists look at this is that to the extent that they are, then that's going to be reflected in the price and that will encourage conservation of those resources. So that's the way the, the economists tend to, to look at it. And the argument would be that we really haven't run out of any essential resource globally. So that's the, that would be the economic argument there. So I guess what I'm saying is that if you're asking me to choose between those two those two books, what was the one? The How the World Really Works. Oh, okay. How and, the World Really Works and the Carbon Almanac. And the Carbon Almanac. It's not too late, it says underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean my my view or rather my hope is that it isn't too late. Uh, I think it's something perfect we can we can sort out in time. Uh, I mean, a lot of these predictions of apocalypse are coming from numerical models of the climate. Yeah. So, uh, look. Yeah. Okay. I know that there are. There have been. There definitely. There's definitely change occurring. I'm not denying that. But my hope, and I, I guess my expectation, if I had to put it, if I had to make a best guess, I, my best guess would be that we have time. But look, I may be wrong. I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm not 100% confident in that that uh, No, you don't have statement. to be. But you don't have to be, Jean. I think the, the point here is why wouldn't we just do the very best we can, yeah? There's no harm in that. There's a lot of harm in the other way. There's no harm in that. And so you think we all live pretty well. Let's look at, look at Australia. How many TVs do we have in our house? How many cars do we drive? And what kind of, is that quality of life or is there something else that's actually at a higher value? I have to tell you, I much prefer getting on my mountain bike in the country and riding that than, ju- than jumping into someone's petrol car, you know. Um, so it's, it's those considerations. What is life? What is it? What is really the essence of the quality that one would really require? A big home, 140 square home, car park underneath? or do we really need that much? Do we? I'm not saying it's not a judgment call, by the way. Um, choices are there, but I don't know. It's sort of like I think it brings it down to my fundamental philosophy, and that is, if someone was to ask me, "You're really passionate about the planet," and I'd say no, and so that shocks. But there's a, me- a reason behind that. It's not important for me to be passionate about that. I mean, I love my, you know, I could have someone, you ask someone, do you love your mother? Yeah, very much. Are you passionate about her? Uh, no, I love her. And so it's those things that you kind of look at. It's logical. I look after myself. Do you look after yourself? Do you eat good food? Do you do all the right things for yourself? So you do it for the planet, wouldn't you? You don't have to be passionate. Just passionate from my perspective, live life fully is my passion. I do stuff, you know, I get out there, I enjoy the fresh air, I don't want it to go. Naturally, I want to look after and preserve what's happening. And what price do you put to that? Now, a dollar financial, I don't know, you know, it's not important uh, entirely, put it in, in perspective. But if you have very little, it is important. But when you have more, how much more do you need? What is, at what point do you say it's enough? 
at what point do you tell your shareholders that, you know, we're going to deliberately make this? It's okay. But maybe it's not because I didn't come into business just on that basis. I need to be interested in what I do. And when I'm interested, that fuels me. And somehow money takes care of itself. Not always, but most of the time. Yes, I've made mis- we've all made mistakes. I brought out a product called Eco to Life. Ooh, would it be, I don't know, 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago? Well, I was trying to. And as we were building the product together, it was actually concentrated um, sugarcane and corn made into a cleaning product and there would be little pa- little packets you'd buy your spray bottles so once you one once you buy your spray bottles you don't have to buy them again you don't have to go to the supermarket and get more but you just add this little bit add the water so you're not carrying heavy loads of water home either and i thought that would be a good idea and i threw a lot of money into this idea and it didn't didn't happen so the timing you know, today mm. I know it's happening because I you can buy this, you can buy this. So you know, sometimes pioneering is is very painful. Um, but I'm interested in the topic, and it becomes part of my story, and I'm good with that. Instead of being instead of being a victim, you look at it and go, "What have I learned? Where can I? What? How can I use that moving going forward?" And I, I do believe we've got a chance, and it's a great story for all of us to come together and get it right. And there's so much new technology coming out. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable uh, in terms of what we'll see. We'll see people with solar on their roofs sharing their power with other people. That's a great example, yeah? But what about geothermal and housing your home with heat and air conditioning from the natural uh, substance of earth underneath us? And by the way, that could be economical too once we get the price down in terms of that technology. I think the point you make about the uh, the local energy grids or whatever you you call them uh, with the sharing of uh, solar and if we can use EVs as batteries and if we have smart meters in the household, I mean, there has to be a lot of investment that occurs before this all happens and, uh, you know, more batteries around the place. So, yeah, EVs, I mean, everyone will need to get an EV. They're currently twice as expensive as they probably need to be to have widespread uh, adoption by consumers. Gene, I uh, have a question, though. Do we need to own cars? Ah. We, we, we currently use, if you're lucky, one and a half hours worth of driving a day. Yeah, look, um, I, uh, I agree with you there, John, and, I mean, I've, I myself have spent uh, you know, several years of my life uh, without a car, but I, I recognise that the only reason I was able to do that was because I lived in the inner city um, so I didn't have to commute. I didn't have a family to uh, to ferry around. Uh, so I, I think I think it's a fair point. Uh, and you know we could look at mobility as a service. I think they call it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, and then you call on it when you need it. Mm. And that that way, because battery technology, if if it's functioned properly, can can go a long way. Otherwise, we're wasting. A, a terrible resource and we can have less cars on the road and instead of people going oh batteries are bad well maybe we can turn that whole notion to something that's productive as opposed to focusing on what's wrong rather what's right don't you think uh yep yeah, well 
Yes. I mean, I, I'm all for having fewer cars on the road. I try and walk wherever I can. I just, But, but that's uh, partly for self-interested reasons. It's not necessarily for the environment. I think it's good that it is positive environmentally, but I I look at it as incidental exercise. I mean, I, I think that I, I find that if I don't if I don't walk uh, to go down to the shops, then you know, that I lose an opportunity to to do a bit of exercise. I mean, I go to the gym, but I find that if I can not take the car, I get a benefit that way. And yes, it is good that it is uh, good for the planet. That wasn't that probably wasn't my first consideration though. But you know, you said something really profound just then. You looked after yourself. You look after the planet, you look after yourself. Yeah, well, there's a nice uh, correlation there or a nice coincidence of, uh, of interest there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, just, um, I just hope that uh, the economists see the, uh, the logic and the fact that, from what I understand, there's a sustainability scorecard uh, that, I, that I believe will, will come, to, come to businesses whereby it will be just as important as your financial accounting as it will be to show that you're actually uh, showing your impact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I'm interested in is uh, to what extent can this be led by this transition? To what extent can it be led by business and consumers uh, directing, uh, well, by their purchasing power, directing production, directing the commercial activities of businesses and, and how they treat the environment, uh, if, particularly if we have these scorecards, if there's greater transparency, to what extent can change be led in a bottom-up way rather than top-down with government policy? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, to what extent is a lot of this stuff already happening or does it, or do we, or do you need government policy such as carbon pricing as well? Yeah, it's, it's, it can be, it feels a bit disappointing if you thought that's what would have to happen. Uh, look, look at our young generation. They want to work for companies that are values-based, that care, that have this notion about the planet. So it could happen from the bottom up, done right, because you do attract, I, I've heard this so often, attract and retain staff. Uh, I know it happens. We do it. So if you, you can do it from the bottom up and I don't really want to see people forced to engage, be engaged. It's, it's like leading a horse to water, isn't it? So imagine if you just got people from a feeling of, would, would we call it excitement, or, or at least be happy and, and joyful about the fact they work for a company that actually cares, put together green teams, develop ideas together. Uh, it, it's, uh, that's one of my missions next year, actually, is to help business transition to a green future and there'll be in, in this regard a membership base social preneurs coming together and having evening discussions about what's possible and then see what of the possibilities we can actually put into action or influence others to put into action but to i can't have all the answers but i can certainly bring the right people together in order to support the needs of, of a lot of organisations. And certainly one of the things I do find really of high value, and I mean, you, when you talk about bottom-up, if I get invited as a speaker into an organisation, I'm talking with a level of enthusiasm that re- that I believe will inspire everyone to actually feel like we can do this. We can all be planet enablers because by that way we enable the planet 
and they're viable because they've got a sense of purpose when they come to work every day. I think that does make sense. The the challenge is, I mean, this is this is probably obvious. It's probably rather a trivial point, but the challenge is that uh, you know, you, you as a business, you could be doing the right thing, but if your competitors aren't doing the right thing, then they can get a competitive advantage by uh, having a cheaper product. Uh, but then you've got the advantage that you've got, you can label or well, you can promote yours as the, the clean, green, the environmentally friendly alternative. So that could give you an edge in the marketplace. I think it would, except that when you say that and you have a, a cheap, cheap and nasty um, cleaning company putting together a quote, one needs to ask, what are you really getting for the money? Let's put aside um, the green aspect. The green is there. It's a, you know, from my perspective, you have that as a product. It better be good. Once it's good, everything else should come together. I hope you know. And so, um, I don't. Yes, it does give. It does allow people to have their eyes pop out and go, "Oh, I'm going to listen to you because you've got a green way of doing things." But it also gives you an opportunity to say how you'll do it and how you'll do it better for them. If you, if you get that chance, but at least you don't have that boring conversation that most companies go, oh, you should use our business because we we give good service to our customers and we do this and we do that. And you go, well, I've heard that everywhere, everywhere. So what makes you really stand out? And it's what you stand for that makes you stand out. Right, yeah. And, uh, I mean, have you had, how do you prove that to to your customers, John, how do you? Which bit? Oh, the the fact that you're uh, the the sustainability. Uh, you've got testimonials, and you've got, I mean, you've got a track record now, haven't you? Uh, mm. But I guess one thing that would be, you know, like you're talking about the the service people trying to promote themselves based on superior service, and I mean, a lot of businesses will say that. Uh, how? That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so I guess you you do need to demonstrate that if you have this environmental commitment, you need you need some. Is it is there certification? I'm just trying to think how businesses. Oh, okay, so it's a great term, certification. I I think that does belong to some people who need it. And so when you're born green, the birth of of planet Earth back in '94. So essentially, that's us. We're born green. We we know it. We should be the ones giving the certification to others. And that's why when companies take us on, they suddenly become greener. They, they have an opportunity to tell their people. And let me tell you, that's, that's a good news story for, their, for them. That's, um, they want that message. And so when you offer eco bins, color-coded bin systems, and you roll it out for no charge whatsoever, and then you give a morning tea talk on why we do what we do, and how they can also become plant enablers. The who does that? And then with with all those other aspects about talking about chemical free cleaning, and then everything, it just comes together. You can't find that just anywhere. You can't even in the name Planet Earth. I mean, imagine this: you have the person who made the decision. They send on their intranet to their five hundred plus staff. We'd like to welcome Planet Earth, our new caretakers of our, our building, starting on Monday. You can't do that if you're, can I make up a name? Xantopolis and Sons Cleaning Service. It just doesn't feel, it just, it doesn't register, right? 
And that's yeah. more than ever, this whole idea is, has never been more relevant for what's going on in business and what's and it's relevant for what they tell their people. It's relevant to attract people to their company. By golly, you know, all you have to do is ring up Seek. All you have to do is ring up any of our clients. You know, um, it's it's a given. And in my position, because I've done it for three decades and know what I know and want to help and support organisations, how do you beat that? Warren Buffett has a great line and he talks about um, enduring competitive advantage. You can't beat three decades. You can't beat being born green, can you? Exactly. John, I think that's, uh, that's terrific. Uh, any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, whatever you do, start to think about your choices because our choices do have impact. And being a conscious consumer makes a huge difference. And people notice you. They do. They do. When I, when I bought my first EV seven years ago, boy, did that have a message. I didn't just buy a car. So I think being conscious and other people watching you do what you do. You don't even have to tell people. If they watch how you do it, let them ask you the questions. But really, but don't, I don't think it's a good idea to be an extremist. Mm if you want to be listened to and and hold an, an open mind and and live life with what's possible. That's what I do. Okay. So a, a steady, can we take a steady approach? I mean, I'd like to be more conscious, more environmentally conscious. I'd find it difficult making radical changes at the moment, but I know that because I know there's a movement for people to live off the grid. I don't think, I mean, I could never imagine myself doing that. But, I mean, is that something you'd be considering John? Not yet. I have solar and I have batteries and very convenient, but depends. I like this term, shades of green, right? Okay. Where you sit. Let's just get, we don't have to be perfect. Let's. You don't have to be. You just be better, not perfect. And if you just do one thing at a time and think about the one thing you can do today, I think that makes it simple. Otherwise, it becomes complex and honestly, it's not as hard as you think. Yeah. I think that's a great message to end on, John. John Angolander, that's been great. I've really appreciated your your thoughts and your insights into, into business and uh, sustainability. So thanks so much for your time. It's a pleasure, and I'm really glad that you're able to catch up with me. So thanks, Gene. Okay. So what are my big takeaways from my conversation with John? My first takeaway is that it's clear that many business owners can have sustainable businesses and look after the environment too. John's businesses are great examples of how that can be done. As an economist, however, I wonder just how widespread this phenomenon can be. In the absence of regulation or policy measures covering all businesses, many businesses will probably choose lower cost and less environmentally sustainable practices. And many consumers will choose lower price options over more expensive environmentally friendly ones. That said, public attitudes are changing and it's possible consumer behaviour will drive more environmentally sustainable practices by businesses in the future. Following my chat with John, I found a really interesting study done for MasterCard in 2021, and I'll put a link in the show notes to it. This study reported that more than half, 54% of those surveyed across the world believe it's more important to reduce their own carbon footprint since COVID-19, and 
More than three in five, 62% say it's now more important than before that companies behave in a more sustainable and eco-friendly way. Changing attitudes could have big implications for business in the future, and I'll aim to have a closer look at consumer attitudes and behaviour in a future episode. My second big takeaway from my conversation with John is a reminder that we need to consider any degradation of our natural environment if we're properly measuring the benefits of economic activities. The discussion I had with John on this point was inspired by a quote that John had on the wall behind him in our conversation over Zoom. It's not an investment if it's destroying the planet. That quote is from Dr. Vandana Shiva, an Indian scholar and environmental activist. I would note that for several decades now, economists have thought a lot about how to account for any environmental degradation in cost-benefit studies of projects. This is not something we're ignoring or don't care about. Economists have also thought a lot about how to augment the traditional national accounts to reflect environmental considerations. I'll aim to cover how economists analyse environmental impacts in some depth in a future episode. For now, I'll include some links in the show notes relating to the field of what's called natural capital accounting, and I'll also add some links regarding how economists have been trying to account for environmental impacts in cost-benefit analysis. Okay, those are my big takeaways from my discussion with John Engelander of Ecobin. Do you think I picked the most important ones? If you're willing to share your own takeaways from the episode, please send them to me via contact at economicsexplored.com or send me a voice message via SpeakPipe. You can find the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening and Happy New Year. Okay, that's the end of this episode of Economics Explored. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, please tell your family and friends and leave a comment or give us a rating on your podcast app. If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, you can feel free to send them to contact at economicsexplored.com and we'll aim to address them in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Until next week, goodbye.